Hi, I'm Mark Renner. This is Victory Over Sin. My name is Mark Rennick. This is Victory Over Sin. Victory Over Sin, first part of the show, what we attempt to do is to share with you what we're doing and why we're doing what we're doing. Victory Over Sin is actually funded by an advocacy arm of St. Vincent de Paul of Southwest Idaho. And what we attempt to do with that effort, if you will, is to educate you, the Idahoan, about what it's like to be incarcerated, to come out of incarceration, and to blend back into our community. We do it in several different ways, but certainly one of them is this radio show that we've been doing for well over six years now, and we're proud of what we do. If you're interested in the past shows in terms of understanding what we've done and who we've talked to, you can go back to KBXL's uh, webpage and you can look up Victor Over Sin, find the archives and listen to all the shows. Or you can also go to iHeartRadio or Spotify, wherever you listen to your podcasts, and pull up Victory Over Sin, find the shows, and look at all the past shows. As you're looking through those past shows, you will see certainly in the, for the last seven years, every Department of Corrections uh, executive, uh, executive director, you will see state senators, you'll see representatives, you will see a governor or two, and you will see certainly all sorts of agencies who support people coming out of incarceration and share those ideas with us on the air. Uh, in addition to that, we have people who have just come out of prison on their first day. They came right to the radio station. And we have one gentleman who actually was going right back in, and he sat with us and shared his thoughts as he was headed back into the system. So we're proud of that. Go back and take a look at it, and we'll be happy to have you learn from that, if you will. In addition to that, we also do what's a PowerPoint presentation for your neighborhood, your church group, any kind of gathering that you would like to have. It's about a 20-minute PowerPoint presentation, and it is led by a returning citizen themselves. And so what they do is uh, present the PowerPoint, and then they're there to answer questions about life after incarceration. So we're happy to do that. At the end of the show, I'm going to let you know how to reach me, and we can arrange for that or any other, answer any other questions that you might have. If you've been listening to me over the years, you know that certainly we've done some exciting things in terms of growing and getting bigger. We now have two locations. One is located at 3217 West Overland Road, and that's where we attempt to greet everybody coming out of incarceration every day. So as you're released, we'd like for you to come by the office. We'll offer you some support in terms of clothing vouchers, food boxes, bus passes, and more importantly, resources for you as you're going that you're going to need as you transition out of incarceration. We also have an office in Canyon County that's located inside probation and parole. So if you need to meet a PO over there or a probation officer, go in there and ask for St. Vincent de Paul and you can talk to the staff over there. 
If you are walking around the track at the, out there in the desert and you need a ride from incarceration, you don't have anybody to pick you up, have your case manager send me an email. We'll pick you up and we'll take you through those first couple of days. Any other questions that you sort of need going forward, you might just check out www.svdpid.org. Click on reentry and you should have all of those answers. We're excited about the future. We've got some great things in the pipeline in terms of employment, in terms of stuff that's going to make life hopefully a little easier for those of us who have been incarcerated. And so if you're on board or we can help, reach out and we'll be happy to talk to you. I've got a gentleman that I've just met recently and he's got some interesting ideas on reforming the system as they're coming out of incarceration. And we'll be back to meet him in just a second. Idaho has an incarceration rate of 761 to 100,000 people, including prisons, jails, immigration detention, and juvenile justice facilities, meaning that it locks up a higher percentage of its people than any democracy on earth. Compare that to the United States, 664 people per 100,000, Canada's 104 people per 100,000, and Norway's 54 people per 100,000. What about our parole system? In 2019, Prison Policy Initiative graded each of the 50 states for their parole system. Idaho received a grade of F. How do we change this? We need your involvement, and we need your story. More importantly, you must tell it. Your Christian voice can support the needed change. Reach out to us and get involved. At the end of the show, Mark will share his contact information, or you can call the radio station, KBXL 941 The Voice, and ask for links to Mark Rank. Okay, with, with me this afternoon is Dave Fisher. We're going to call him a prison reform advocate, sir. Thank you for being in the studio with us. Thanks for having me. Yeah, this is fun. Tell me a little bit about you and your background and... Uh, what do you think is important for us to know to start out? Um, well, I lived a pretty normal life. I was a proud father. I had two, I had two kids. I owned my own home. I had a, I was working at Micron Technology for 26 years as an engineer. My life completely flipped upside down when I was diagnosed as bipolar. I made mistakes, which led me to prison. Um, that completely changed my life. Looking back now, I... I don't see a lot of good coming out of the prison system or the plan after prison. It, it, it's it's very detrimental to me. It's It's been a huge detriment of every aspect of my life, my employment, um, my relationships, my friendships. Well, not a, how old were you when you were arrested? Um, I was, it was back in 2013. Okay. So I would have been 46. Okay. You think, I wonder how, I mean, I too spent several times in the system and spent uh, seven years of my life, uh, latter years of my life, didn't get out until I was 50. So I'm wondering if you think those of us who spent time our later years, our more mature years, I wonder if that affects us more or less, you think, than the young kids are putting in there. You have any thoughts about that? Um, well, it depends. I think everything depends on the mindset of the person going in. I mean, there there are there would be differences between younger people and older people, but mm-hmm. I mean, I've seen maturity and immaturity in both the younger crowd and the older crowd. I would agree with that. So, That's yeah. for sure. Mm-hmm. Okay, and obviously we're talking today because you came out, and it sounds like in the approach to life, you're an engineer. You had some interesting ideas in terms of how to take a uh, to change some of what's going on with the system. And so let's talk a little bit about that concept from your perspective. Sure, yeah. Um, I, a little background on it. 
I was employed at the uh, at the chapel within the prison. And, and was it which prison? <clears throat> which prison was it? ISCC, Idaho okay. State Correctional Center. Okay. And. Well, I was I, I was in the system, and I'm I'm a type of person that likes to fix things, and I, and it really hurts me when I see something that doesn't work good, especially something that you know, oh, people go to prison, and then you know they got to spend time there, and they'll you know, and everybody just assumes that everybody will be rehabilitated when they're released, or they should be, and I was in that system, and it's like this is garbage. This 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 whole system is garbage. There's no rehabilitation. I mean, you you have chow. You go out for break. I mean, you do laundry. You you know brush your teeth. There, there there's not anybody talking to you to dig deep inside of you to extract your criminal thinking. That that doesn't happen there. It, it, it's a joke. And I was looking I was looking around and I, I was running some ideas through my head. And when I was working at the chapel. There was this one guy, I wish I knew his last name because I love this dude. He was so cool. His name is Derek. And he was describing to me, he was describing to me the program that he was in and how much it was changing him. And and he told me he had a lot of bad things, some sensitive things happened to him when he was younger, and it changed the way that he acted in life. And he finally confronted these demons in this class that he was in. It was the, uh, oh, what was the name? I can't remember the name of the class. But um, he was in this class, peer-to-peer. He was in the okay. peer-to-peer, peer-to-peer. You probably heard of that. Yep. He was in this peer-to-peer group, and he described it, and he showed me this huge, it was probably like about half-inch thick of paperwork of all the, everything that he was doing in this class. And the main thing that the class did was CBT, true CBT, and uh, 12-step. And he was telling me about how this thing changed his life, how he just sees things differently. And my, you know, my, my little feelers were going off in my head. It's like, what do you, what do you mean? It's like, well, I'm just a different person now. And, and then I asked him, I go, and this is, this is the million dollar question. I asked him, I go, if you would have gone through this class, would before earlier in life, would you have ever gone to prison? He goes, no. It totally, it totally changed me. And to me, that just set off alarms. I was just not alarms, but like good, it was good alarms. I was like amazed that he actually was, he, he was actually rehabilitated. And I go, that is amazing. And he told me, and he told me about how all the steps that he went through. And he told me about how the process worked. And it's a one-on-one, it's a one-on-one type process. And, it, you know, people are, people are put together one-on-one and, Anyway, I tried to find out as much as I could about the program from him. And I go, hey, is there anybody else uh, that that comes to the chapel that I could talk to to see if it, to see if they feel the same way? And he goes, oh, yeah. And he, he named off. There was a Ryan and two other guys. I didn't know the two other guys. I knew the Ryan. I don't know his last name. But I, I talked to all three of them. They says, oh, yeah, this is, you know, and they said how, how much it changed them. And it's like, oh, my God, these people need to be released. This is time to release them. You know what I mean? So, I mean, I am I based my prison reform proposal off of four people's testimonies. But why would those people lie? Mm-hmm. Why, you know? If Derek, if my buddy Derek said that this changed him and my buddy Ryan said that this changed him, I have to go forward with that. You know, there, there is no, there is no way of, uh, you know, I, I trust my friend Derek. I, I, I really, I really like that man. He was a really good guy. 
I, and I just saw nothing but good from him too the whole time. You know, there was there was no incidents. He uh, he handled things professionally, and he seemed like a very mature, rehabilitated person. So, and he told me about the kind of person that he was. He used to get into a lot of fights and stuff like that, and he doesn't do that anymore. So, so I see some change in him from from what he tells me. So I just, do you want me to keep going as far as how the proposal came you about? Can, you can go wherever you want to go. Yeah, okay. I think what I what you should do is try to talk about some of the components because some okay. of the components are already in place within the structure. Yeah. I mean, like you talk about the dog program and the dog program is there, mm-hmm. but it's not available to everybody. And you right. talk about CBT, which is there, but it's yeah. not available. And it comes in different time frames. So talk about as an overall package and how your plan is to present it to the public and have that reaction. Does okay, that make sense? so go through the website first as yeah, far as how it works? Of, yeah, just give me an okay. overall and give, give an overall yeah. view of it. Sure. So, so the, the plan is, um, I, I also uh, ran, in, I ran into a lot of people that helped me uh, develop the proposal. I met this one guy who was studying psychology. His name was Mike. And he was talking about personality tests. And because I was discussing with him about some people that I have a hard time communicate communicating with and but they seem like nice people. And it's like, well, you guys have different personality types, different communication types. So he talked about the personality testing and stuff like that. And he goes and I took a personality test and he took his and we were compatible. That's why we got along so good. And I was thinking, well, what if we were to incorporate that into the into? Well, first of all, this program that 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 I that I developed it would be instituted solely on one tier it, just just to experiment to make sure that everything works but basically what people on that tier would do is they would take personality tests to determine who else on the tier that they're compatible with and that they could they could extract stuff with extract extract their uh, criminal thinking but they would uh, they would each of them would pair up so there'd be groups of two throughout the throughout the entire tier and then they would do CBT on each other. And CBT, and I, I, I call the program CBT-12 because it's a combination of cognitive behavior therapy and the 12-step program. And um, I, I, made it, I made it so anybody could do it. I know uh, there, there's people that believe in a higher power. So if they wish to do all 12 steps, they can do that. If they don't believe in a higher power, if they believe in, if they're an atheist or agnostic or something like that, they only have to do the, the, the four of the steps, which is, I can't remember what the four steps are, but, um, but they, but it's basically, you have to come to terms with your past. You have to make you have to make things right with the people before you. It's steps. That's the fourth step. That's the fourth step. Four. Yeah. It's steps four, five, eight, and nine. I remember. I remember the numbers, but I can't remember, and I don't have my phone on right now. But um. But anyway, they they would do this on on each. They would do this CBT twelve on each other, five f- for an hour a day, five days a week, and also too from what my friend Derek and my friend Ryan said. They said it's very mentally taxing. It's extremely difficult because when you have to dig up the demons of your past and all the people that you've wronged and the people that have wronged you, it, it's it's very very mentally taxing. So um, I, I in my proposal, I said one to two hours a day, but depending depending on what the subject that's going through, you know, maybe you can only get through a half hour a day. But if you if you set a standard between one to two hours a day, I, I you know that'd be good. Monday through Friday, and then you get to relax on the weekends. But yeah, this is this isn't something that uh this this isn't something that somebody you know they have to take this seriously in order to get the benefit of. So it. you take it seriously, and you've had the program, and you have. Tell me about 
have you presented that to officials within the Department of Corrections? Your approach is different, I guess is what I'm saying. So let's talk about that because you pretty much are using like media to get people behind. This oh, yes, time. yes. You haven't gone, let's say, to Josh T. Walter and sat with him and said, hey, look, I got this great. No, program. not yet. No, okay. Um, I would like to finish up just with the with the psychological testing, if that's okay. all right. No, good for it. Yeah. So anyway, um, so in this uh, after doing CBT 12 and a person does change, they need to be released. Once they're truly rehabilitated, there's not a single there doesn't make sense for a for them to be incarcerated a single more day. So my my prison reform proposal addresses two main things. True rehabilitation and also release from prison once you're once you're really once you're uh, fully rehabilitated. So um, anyway, the way that it can be done on the initial tier, first of all, we need we need a specialist. We need we need a true psychologist to do psychological testing of the inmates just for that one initial tier that one time. But because we need to make sure that, you know, we need to, his feedback. We need all, everything detailed. We need it organized. We need it. We need it professionally done. And uh, so the plan was to uh, get a psychologist to test the tier after approximately three months, probably actually about four months, because because uh, some 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 will be ready before others. Some may only take a month to go through this process. These are dedicated people. If people aren't dedicated, they're gonna they'll probably flop the psychological test. I've said, I've taken a psychological test before. You have to be honest with those. And I've read online that that they are very they they can be faked, but they're very difficult to fake. But um, anyway, after uh, after about a three to four month period, the psychologist would review all the uh, all the results and give his his assessment on whether or not the people are are ready to be released or they can make a determination of their character and then that information would be given to the parole board to make that determination. So anyway, after after the first 3 months, 4 months is done, we have his we have his we have his expertise to to garner knowledge off of and then basically what what we would like to do and they they I've read this online, they have psychological testing done uh, solely by um, computers. So you do take computerized testing. AI is very powerful that that can come onto line, uh, come online. Um, but basically, uh, if we could get co- at least get computerized testing, and it is very accurate, if we could at least get computerized testing, it would be extremely cheap to test these inmates and also it would add so much more data for what the the character of that person to be presented to the parole board for them to determine if someone is ready to be released. Because right now, I mean, I got flopped by the parole board. I was working for a year on this on this proposal, having my uncle send out all these emails to all these different psychologists trying to get their endorsements on on on, on these on this proposal. And I was busting my butt, spending my own money on phone, on mail, on, on all this other stuff, and they flopped me. Yep. You know, and I'm just like going, you know, you have, and I, I wasn't even able to talk about that. And they flopped me. The whole system is broken. Mm-hmm. It is completely broken from top to bottom. I think there's good people in there, yep. but the system is broken completely. Okay, so let's, because we're going to run out of time, but let's okay. say, so you got your new, you've got a package and you've got somebody and we've got... Josh says, okay, I'm going to do this as an experiment. How do you make that work? Oh. I come to you and I come, Josh comes to you and says, 
you have this tier experimental okay uh, Dave go with this how do we make that work oh that would be great <laughs> we uh, in my proposal I talk about and the, then as you answer that yeah there several of the things to let people out you're talking about send it to a, a parole commission then by statute that has to approve that and so you have to change a statute to make that work for somebody to be released and you got to go through their system mm -hmm. because they've mm -hmm. got to release you okay and you have to address those things in terms of making it work in this system you understand yes what I'm yes you're fighting against you're fighting an uphill battle against a system that's ingrained in attempting to make sure that mm -hmm. everything runs smoothly and where security is the biggest priority, mm -hmm. okay? So how do you make that work in an experimental setting? Um, well, basically, uh, there'd be a lot of responsibilities that, that would change. The uh, The case manager of the tier, I took uh, CBT classes, and they were ridiculous. They were very inefficient. They didn't work. I just I just started filling stuff out because it kept asking the same thing chapter after chapter, and I was just like, and nobody checked my paperwork. It was it was dumb. It just didn't make any sense. Case managers uh, that that teach CBT uh, that teach these classes instead, their roles would change to where they would be evaluating people d during their one-on-one -on -one sessions, and they would they would determine and they would look at the paperwork that they that they're producing and whether or not they're avail whether or not they would be worthy for uh to, for psychological testing the parole board's job would change their their main job the the case managers would relay to this to the parole board they would relate to the parole board who they deem would be ready for psychological testing if they hey, this person's done really good he's he's talked about his demons he's got them out he's he, all and basically they would relate to the pro board who would be ready for who would be ready for site for uh yeah that's one of the things i think that again i love this discussion and that it's something different and new and stuff like that but again a case manager making a, dis, a decision that somebody's ready to go requires they don't even communicate with the parole commission mm -hmm. because parole commission is on a situation yeah. in which you're yeah. sentenced to a certain number of years, blah, blah, blah. And that's their, by statute, Yeah, they have to do that. So it almost changes the statute. You know, I can see that uh, because you don't know this, but I was a part of a program that was a faith-based program mm -hmm. at Max, and it was experimental in terms of uniqueness, in terms of what we, what we experienced and what we went through. And people mm -hmm. went through it and they said, boy, you go through this, you're going to get a break with the parole commission. It didn't work out that way. No, at all. it never does. Okay, so good deeds you, always yeah. go unnoticed. So what you're going, what you're going to face is the same sort of thing. Mm -hmm. As this experiment comes across, it's still dealing with the statute. So it's still dealing with advocating through a legislative process mm -hmm. and through people working in the system that some of these things need to be addressed. I guess so. As we've talked before, before coming mm -hmm. on the air, it seems like boy, this is it. It needs to be all or nothing. And I think the point I'm attempting to make mm -hmm. is that are you are you open to the idea that taking some of these concepts and playing around with them to make them work in the system, um, or does it need to be done in its entirety as you've presented it? I wrote my proposal, and I my goal was to make this program as least evasive as as possible. To um, don't know if you're using that word right, but um. The least evasive as possible, which is the smallest impact on the prison setting. Uh, people gathering around the table for for an hour a day, Monday through Friday, 
pretty pretty non-invasive. The case managers uh, working occasion like once a month with a, with a, with a pair to determine whether or not they're ready for psychological testing. Very non-invasive. I also too I made it all. I made it so there is no new legislation requ- required. I made it so basically people that are uh, people that are doing the uh, there's a two different um, they have uh, their judge mandated uh, time and their prison mandated time. I forgot what those two different things are called. But basically, a person it's is an indeterminate a, sentence. Indeterminate, and the other one is what again? The fixed term. Fixed term. Yeah, fixed term and indeterminate. This this program works with both of those avenues. So somebody can be released regardless of whether they're doing their fixed or their indeterminate. Yeah. And there's no new legislation that's needed. Well, in some ways, and I'm not going to challenge you on this because mm-hmm. we're going to run out of time and I apologize. Sure. no problem. But we continue. But I mean, again, you're talking about fixed term, you're talking about indeterminate time. And indeterminate, the time that where a person's on a rider, the jurisdiction is back to a judge who then has say over that. So you really do have to change some of the statute. And so, again, I think some of the ideas, as I said before, I like some of the ideas. I think they're creative and innovative. But at some point in time, we're going to have to get involved with mm-hmm. changing some of the statutes. Yeah. And I can't change the statute. You can't change the statute. Josh DeWalt can't change the statute. Legislation mm-hmm. changes the statute. So does it does it need to be revamped? Absolutely. You and I are in total agreement with that. Does this open the discussion further? Boy, I hope mm-hmm. so. Yeah. Okay. So how do people reach out and... Find out about your ideas that are um, open and creative. My uh, my website that we can read my proposal is uh, is prisonreform.info. There and then, if you wish to email me, my email address is very close to that. It's prison.reform.info at gmail.com. Um, I tried I tried to get them both the same, but the, but there was uh, the one email address was taken, so but they're very close. Prisonreform.info is the website. Prison.reform.info at Gmail is my website, is, Listen, is my I, email address. I apologize that we're not getting through all of it, but we started the dialogue, and hopefully somebody out there that has some interest in this will get in touch, and we'll kind of continue the dialogue, okay? Fair enough? It sounds good. Hey, listen, thank you for being here. Yeah, thank you. chains that were holding me kept me locked in captivity have been broken by grace so free when he poured out his cleansing motivated by his great love give me faith I need to rise above and sing a song of how I've overcome I've got victory over sin Bringing peace to the fight within Give me strength, I need to start again I've got victory over sin He gives me victory over sin Bringing peace to the fight within Give me strength, I need to start again He gives me victory over sin My hope lies within Okay. Uh, again, we always try to stay on the cutting edge with what things are happening. We need different voices and certainly can use your voice in this discussion. So if this is something you're interested in, uh, reach out to Dave and give him some conversa- give him some feedback and help him uh, going forward. If you need something from me, I'm always available. I am actually easy to reach. You can catch me at www.systemicchangeofid.com. 
Uh, you want to send me an email, you can go at systemicchangeofidaho at gmail.com. It's all spelled out there, Idaho. And then we're on Facebook, Systemic Change of ID. We're on Instagram, Systemic Change of ID. And you can even call me on the phone if you want to. Area code 208-477-1006. I look forward to talking to you next Saturday afternoon on Victory Over Sin.